0: Ishara Personal Log, I've learned many things about my sister Tasha while I have been on board the Enterprise. I learned she was brave in the face of danger. She was respected and loved by her crew. But one question still haunts me, did my sister fuck an android? (coughs) Hello and welcome to (laughs) Re-Engage, the weekly podcast (laughs) where we watch and discuss episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Our cultural bridge officers dissect each episode as well as the pop culture and world events that took place when it first aired. We're a bunch of adults returning to the series we loved as kids to see how it holds up. So remove your proximity detector and let's re-engage. Hello and welcome once again to re-engage the Star Trek The Next Generation. Re listening podcast. My name is Kate Yeager. I am your host today. We are looking at the episode Legacy, star date 44215.2, air date of October 29th, 1990. Greg, what was happening in the world?
1: Well, October 29th uh, had a few fun things going on. Uh, uh, four days before this aired on October 25th, Evander Holyfield knocked out Buster Douglas in three rounds to gain the heavyweight boxing title. Um, This was only important because this is when uh, the Ocean's Eleven heist was taking place. No, I don't know. (laughs) Um, On October, also on October 25th, uh, the New York Daily News went on strike. And that lasted until March of 1991. It was a very long contentious battle uh between the owners and uh, the workers there um and on october 30th i did not realize this it seems earlier than i thought but britain and france completed the channel the tunnel underneath the english channel to connect the two nations uh i again i thought that was uh a little bit later than this but 1990 is when that opened
0: such a great name! You have to imagine that they had a naming contest for that, and people were like, and someone was like, put "channel" in as a placeholder, <laughs> and then they <laughs> forgot. <laughs>
1: to this day, I still think it feels dirty. It's a dirty name. It should not be. It should not be uttered in uh, pleasant company. <laughs>
0: Well, excellent in a pop culture world, "Black Cat" by Janet Jackson was number one. "Black Cat," nine lives, short days, long nights, living on the edge, not afraid to die. Such a good song that I had completely forgotten about. Right. Uh, the number one movie was "Graveyard Shift," which I must admit is a movie that I was like excited that Eric would probably know what it was. And the look on his (laughs) face is full of excitement. (laughs) In the theater world, OK opened at Richard Rodgers Theater for 77 performances, which is a George and Ira Gershwin uh, show that includes the song Someone to Watch Over Me. So the show may not have lasted, but that song has certainly lasted through the decades. And the Buddy Holly story opened at the Schubert New York City for 225 performances. And that was the world of pop culture during that time period. This episode was written by Joe Minoski, directed by Robert Shearer. Uh, Jimmy, can you tell us a little bit of what's happening behind
2: the scenes? I sure can, Kate. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> challenge you can see up to <laughs> uh, Just a couple of things. This is episode number 80, which is of note because it's one more than the total number of episodes uh, TOS had uh which was 79 so it was a pretty big deal they had a little party afterwards um during the episode we hear uh the Potemkin is mentioned um and that actually was a former assignment of one Lieutenant Riker Mm -hmm. um and the uh Borg interior ship which was still standing from best of both worlds was used as uh the underground for the underground shots uh, of Turkana in this episode. And big thank you to Mr. James Hunt of Den of Geek for tracking the ever evolving list of phaser settings. And Legacy gives us a new one. Maximum Stun. Ooh. So if you weren't keeping track, uh James Hunt is. Uh, and the full list of phaser settings is now full stun maximum stun kill overkill cut through door heat up rocks <laughs> smelt ore head explody, and of course aqueduct demolition <laughs> thank you james
0: well the episode begins and we are playing poker and data is really good with his poker face who knew And Worf and Troy suspect a little bit of a conspiracy because the money is just going back and forth between Data and Riker. So Riker does an elaborate card trick to make Data pick his card, but Data knows exactly how he did it, so he takes the money. What do we think of this nice little cold open? We gotta love a poker opening.
1: I like that there was a a contrast between how the chips were stored in front of Riker and Data. Riker has his like in a pile it's all willy nilly and like going all over and he like splashes the table when he throws his chips in and Data has his his very neat stacks and and very organized uh, like you would expect an Android. I just thought that was a a good visual comparison between the two characters and how they play this game.
0: Uh, They get a call from Picard saying there is a distress call above the planet where Tasha was born. So off they go. They get a call saying the ship only has three minutes left so they keep going faster and faster to get there and wouldn't you know it, as soon as they get there the ship explodes. Luckily, we've realized that an escape pod is gone and headed to the planet. Data warns that anyone found transporting down to the planet will be killed, but that doesn't matter. Picard knows it's go time. Credits.
1: <laughs> we got two crewmen to find. Now, were these, this was what I was a little bit confused. Were they crewmen from the Enterprise or were they just Federation folks?
0: I believe just Federation folks.
1: Yeah. Was my understanding. They they seem to be going like all out to try to save these dudes.
2: (laughs) No man left behind, dude. (laughs) I guess so. Or is that no troll left behind? I might be mixing my metaphors. (laughs) No troll left behind. That's what Justin Timberlake told me.
0: Uh, When the credits end, we are in orbit above the colony, knowing that it has severed ties with the Federation. And the away team is getting ready to go down, and Worf thinks what I was thinking, must we send Crusher down there? Feels like we have a dangerous situation to be sending our chief medical officer down to a planet that will shoot on sight. Uh, He talks about the rape gangs and the violence, but she is not having it. And right before they energize, they all take action poses. (laughs) Jimmy do you want to talk about this action pose
2: it is beautiful I actually have I took a picture of the screen and it is saved to my phone so I can always refer back to it in moments of sorrow um and it's really Riker who who he uh adjusts his body so his left his right foot is upstage, so to the back of the transporter wall, and his downstage leg, the left one, is propped a few, uh, you know, a little bit forward. And then with his left arm, he inexplicably just reaches it out, palm flat, as if he was told, you know, we're going to like Photoshop in a cane or uh, a little laser gun for you to <laughs> carry or something. But there's. Really, no reason for him to be in the pose that he does end up in, but it is lovely nonetheless. (laughs) It seems like, in
1: every like, they don't do this when they're going into combat situations. Like, they were beating onto the Borg ship and they still are like standing, and then they get into position as soon as they like are there. This is the first time we've ever seen them assume the position of like, (laughs) uh, uh. trying to cover each other or something like that before they even beam. And it doesn't look
2: defensive. I mean, he might as well have been doing jazz hands. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because
2: there was no indication in his posture that he was getting ready for a fight.
0: Unless it was a rumble uh, in West Side Story, then he would have been in the perfect stance. He's about to start snapping. (laughs) (laughs) Got to do it. On the planet, the away team sets off an alarm, and they meet the Coalition, who tells them that the rival group, the Alliance, has the crewmen. And they run away uh, with the Coalition, and they're told by Hain, who is the spokesperson, that they will help only if they can get weapons. And they explain...
3: And if I can jump in right here and talk a little about Hain and Coalition Man 1, as played by Christopher Michael...
0: Yes, you can!
3: So, we start with uh, the man leading the coalition forces in the hallways is Christopher Michael, who has worked forever um, he tons of credits, lots of cops long time working actor brooklyn nine nine as the desk sergeant Hank community fresh off the boat heart of Dixie castle, Parenthood, happy endings. Grey's Anatomy, Franklin and Bash, Sons of Anarchy, iCarly, Seventh Heaven, probably his most famous role. He did 45 episodes of that. Reba, and there's just too much to do. Christopher Michael, still going strong. Then we go to Hain, previously mentioned, played by Don Muralt, who was Zack in the original production of Chorus Line, a replacement, not not the original (laughs) Zack. And he also did uh, Chicago with Bob Fosse on Broadway. He's done every dance medium from Cruise Ships to MTV. He's a choreographer and presenter for corporate events at this particular point, but you might know him from Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous, uh, as well as genre stuff like Auto Man, which I had never heard of from 1982, which is where a computer-generated superhero and his human creator fight crime in the city. I got to check that out because Don plays Robin Hood in it somehow. Ah. Ah. Tons of other stuff, lots of... uh, Uh, soap
2: operas and we can move on until we get to another lovely guest star Jimmy this is our canon connection here this guy with Bob Fosse somehow indirectly directly influenced uh, Jonathan Frakes posture right before they beamed down I mean there can be no other explanation yeah William
1: Frakes was just like hey watch this buddy I know you're on set watch this I'm gonna do a move (laughs) And it's going to end up on the screen, and no one's going to know because I'm going to be upstage. Perfect. (laughs)
0: Cannon. Cannon. I love it. Uh, We find out that the two sides have the coalition and the alliance, that they have proximity detectors that keep them from doing any real damage to each other. And Riker says they will consider the offer, and they beam off with some hooch. For Picard, he sends up some synthahol hmm. for them to have. Uh, what do we think of this first introduction of the coalition, this Hane guy?
1: The idea of two factions who are named Coalition and Alliance is like so, uh, I don't know, on the nose a bit of being like, see, the gangs out there, they just have these names and they don't mean anything. And it's just we're all there. You know, it's 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 made up allegiances, it seemed to be uh, uh, the, the telegraphed theme here.
0: Yeah, it definitely, you get the feeling of two rival gangs, but with the names, it kind of seems like um, a bunch of kids who were like, well, ours is going to be called a coalition. <laughs> and the other side was like, oh, oh, seriously? Well, we're the alliance, so no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and they all have.
2: Uh, excessive spit issues. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, a good loud lisp is a way to go. Well, I mean,
3: now and then, the, the popular thing for people who consider themselves centrists is to say both sides who are fighting are awful. Neither side has a point. It's all just stupid. And event, eventually we're going to get that wonderful thing where we get a British person uh, talking about an obvious uh, IRA Uh, Situation in the most condescending ways possible. It's always my favorite genre. Uh,
0: Back on the bridge with the hooch, they tell Picard, uh, and he says they sound like urban street thugs. Um, Worf Worf says, tell them to, uh, you know, guys, we'll just make no promises, no denials, which I'm like, that is Worf's dating profile, and that is problematic. No promises, (laughs) no denials. (laughs) (laughs) and then suddenly Hane calls up and introduces them to ishara yar tasha's sister what 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 do we think of this first moment where we where we meet ishara
3: i mean first off that's an all-time name ishara yar like that's that's strong
0: yeah it's
1: got like a rhyming thing going on it's pretty good Yep. Um, my first thought was that they've invented lots of stuff in the 24th century, but apparently this colony does not have the technology of bras.
0: <laughs> I didn't notice that, Greg.
2: <laughs> Nor did I. Well, she has really, really nice knee pads.
1: <laughs> right? So they've got some technology that could be used, but they're like, no, we're not going to do this.
3: Can I speak uh, briefly about our new friend, Beth Toussaint? Yes, please. Who played Ashara Yar. She started out her career as a musical or as as a music video dancer in stuff by like Bob Seger and Bon Jovi. And uh, from there, in addition to modeling, she got a recurring part on Dallas as Tracy Lawton, where she worked with her now husband, Senator Lipton from The Office. Uh, who, of course, uh, at the time was playing one of the Carrington uh, Sons, uh, who was one of the first major primetime uh, characters in American drama who was gay. Um, uh, her career continued to go through things like MacGyver, 21 Jump Street, Cheers, genre Fair, like the brilliantly named Man and Machine, Man, of course, having two ends and uh, being a last name, uh, Babylon 5, Shadow, Project Shadow Chaser 2, Fortress 2, And, of course, Ashara in this classic episode. Matlock Melrose, The Kamish Return of Hunter, Everyone Walks in L.A. And she ended her on-screen career thus far with Red Eye and a couple Young and the Restless episodes. She, quote, gave it up for a kid. Now she takes photos and designs and flips homes.
0: Oh, nice. Thank you. Yeah. Well, she beams on board and meets Data, assuming right away that he is a fighting android. Uh, He says they are an exploring vessel. And wants to know why Tasha never talked about having a sister. And she says, I don't know, because she was a coward for leaving. Oh, Oh, and all of a sudden it's fighting words. She says, it's been 15 years. I don't even remember what she looked like. And they walk into the conference room and everyone on board the Enterprise is there just staring (laughs) at her.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's very, the couple at the end of the bar would like to buy you a drink,
2: five. (laughs)
1: Well, she does
2: have really nice knee pads.
1: <laughs> They're like, we got to get to know her. We don't, we don't, we miss Tasha.
0: Right? Well, and she she immediately catches up on the vibe and says, you don't think I'm Tasha's sister. You can test my DNA if you like. And Crusher says, yes, I will. <laughs> Which I we already have. Love. Uh, She explains briefly how the coalition and alliance were formed and how they gained power. Um, She mentions that Tasha asked her to go with her, but she had already joined the coalition and they were her family. Uh, Then she gets, they get a ransom call from one of the crewmen who says they will be killed if they don't meet the demands. And luckily she knows exactly where the escape pod is. Uh, she wants to beam right into the middle of the area so her proximity alarm will get set off um, so that they can go and meet the Alliance and, uh, set off the alarm. They say it's too dangerous and she yells that she's supposed to help, not just when it's safe and convenient. So, uh, Ashara gets taken to sickbay and gets her DNA taken. She finds well, out, which, the next which, step. which is the next step, but then, they've, then they're then they like, <laughs> it's going to take a while. And I was like, you can save a person's life after they've been dead, but this DNA is going to take a little while. Don't understand.
1: That's the thing where it's like the 1990s technology of like, we haven't mapped the human genome yet. It takes 47 years to do so. <laughs> it's not caught up with the fact that like, you know, a, a a computer as advanced as the one that's on the Enterprise would be able to do it in... You know, with a lot of flops. They've got a lot of flops going. <laughs> uh,
0: Ashara finds out from Data how Tasha died and says that won't happen to her. Right? She won't, she won't fall outside of battle. Riker comes and says Picard has approved their little rendezvous and off they go. They beam her right into the middle of the action and as promised, she sets off the alarm and they come after her. Uh, she's on the run, and the away team is having trouble getting the machine that they are trying to uh, do things to. <laughs> Such a technical term. <laughs> I forget what they were trying to do to this machine. I just know Jordy can't get it to work.
3: <laughs> things.
0: Things and stuff. Science Trek stuff. Trechnobabble must occur. Trechnobabble. Ashara uh, goes into a place where she can't be beamed out, so Riker goes out of, uh, after her. Ashara gets shot and Riker gets to her uh, and moves her like three feet away and is able to beam her aboard. Like she was just outside of transporter beam. And then he beams up holding her in his arms like some kind of badass. Right. What do we think of this?
3: That's a much better pose than the other earlier transportation pose.
0: Much better pose. What do we think of this little trip down to the planet and Ashara being such a badass? And
1: this one certainly felt like a more like action-heavy episode. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, stunt choreography, a lot more effects with the beaming and the shooting and the light and the and the phaser lights and things like that. Um, and when Eric, you're going through all the guest star stuff that she has done, I think that might be why she was uh she you know one of the reasons why she got this job was that it was like. She's done the MacGyvers. She's done the Airwolves, She's done the ones that are like, you know, a little bit more like that. And I could tell that this was the flavor they were going for. Pop might, might be because they had a lot of thinky, you know, family episodes in the beginning of this uh, season. And they're like, we need some action. Let's get something to happen.
3: That makes sense.
0: How are we feeling about Ashara at this point? Because if you don't remember the episode really well, for me, I was like, oh, do we trust her? And she goes down and she's such a badass. Right, that I'm like, oh, maybe we should trust her.
2: Yeah, I couldn't remember what the twist was. Maybe the one character we have that's supposed to be able to sense these things <laughs> and he always interjects her feelings when it's perfectly obvious to everybody what's going on. Maybe this one time when it's not obvious to anybody, Chica step up. <laughs> Improve. <it> <laughs> She's worthy of being on the Enterprise. I don't have a good feeling that that's going to pan out in this episode. <laughs> your, 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 your empathetic uh,
1: feeling is is not not with us on this one. I'm partially yeah. clairvoyant. <laughs> I'm getting
2: some signals that
3: at the least useful times.
2: Right. <laughs> I feel like they
1: certainly played up the trope of like, well, if they're doing something actiony, uh, like a little bit self-sacrificey, that means they're they're great. Everything's good about them. They're doing fame. You know, I, I feel like we as audience members are on board with her after this, perhaps uh, in that same vein of like, oh, OK, she's she's being she's being heroic. So therefore, she's trustworthy uh, in this situation.
0: Yeah. Picard tells Riker that he took too many personal risks with this mission and Riker says that because they lost Tasha on his watch he's not going to let this happen again. They get the news that she really is Tasha's sister and Picard tells Ricard, Picard tells Riker, tells Ricard. Picard tells Riker.
3: That's definitely what the rest of the bridge crew call Riker to his face when they're fucking with him. Okay, Ricard.
0: It's their kiss it's ass their couple name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Picard tells Riker do better but also good job Uh, yeah (laughs) I love it when he dresses down but then dresses up a little bit right at the end
1: it's his move that's Picard's move he really does do like I'm a little bit angry at you and everyone's like oh you're not usually like this captain and then you get a little a little bit of kudos at the end Right? everybody always smiles before they go out the door I feel like they've used that like at least three times with three different characters
0: I believe that to be true. First
3: you smack him in the face and then you smack him on the butt. Yeah. <laughs> Get out there, tiger. Yeah.
1: In
0: sick bay, Picard comes in to thank Ashara who says she doesn't run away like some people, like Tasha did. So Picard tells her oh, about can you
2: do that with the list thing? That's
0: what I was thinking. I don't run away like <laughs> some people do, like Tasha did.
1: My braces...
0: Picard tells her about the first time he saw Tasha making her way through a minefield and that he requested her to work for him right away. You would have been proud of who she became and she of you.
2: That's a great bit of info that we didn't know. That's new info on Tasha's backstory. Uh, And it's super cool. It's a little disappointing that obviously this is retconned by the writers to reframe Tasha and Picard's connection. Um, because there was never any clue of that earlier. Like we didn't see that specifically, but it's super cool that. I mean, that's a great backstory. Uh, I picked you. Yeah, like you're handpicked to be on the flagship Enterprise because of your courage.
3: It's possible he never told her. Mm. Well, yeah. he was keeping it in his back pocket for a for a time when he needed it to uh, inspire her and then she died and he's like I gotta tell this to somebody Hobbit, who can I tell yeah. this to
2: also another miss like what a great <laughs> thing for an actor like him to chew on of <laughs> regret like yeah. that
0: we go to the bridge and she is wearing quite the knitted outfit Greg do you want to talk about what <laughs>
1: This is how we know that they didn't have bra technology, because now she does. She's got some support. It feels much more shapely uh, than before, where she was all loosey-goosey with her uh, with her leather jacket and the blouse underneath. I need
3: an adult! I need an adult!
1: <laughs> and then they get the, the Troy outfit uh, together, which is all, uh, you know, all there.
0: All I know is that (laughs) Worf walks by her and definitively (laughs) checks her out. Like, he walks by and gives her the up and down for sure. And you can read into that that he doesn't trust her or that he's, like, trying to size her up. But it is absolutely him checking her out.
1: I had a different interpretation that the director might have been trying to get him to do, which was, like you're uncannily uh, wondering if this is taught, like you're having like remembrances of Tasha of like, oh, this is, this is how I used to think about Tasha. (laughs) (laughs) But it comes off so creepy. You're right. (sighs) Uh,
0: Data and, uh, Data and Ashara. (laughs) Data and Ashara talk. And he says that uh, Tasha was his friend and she, wonders can he even have friends and he explains that more or less he got used to her and that's his version of being friends with someone in engineering they are looking for the missing crewmen, uh, but they don't know if they can get them because they are so far underground ishara says she wishes she could take him but her implant would go off and it can't be removed because it would explode And Data says, but what if it didn't?
2: What if that wasn't true at all? (laughs) We could put a a force field around it.
0: Yeah.
3: With an inert gas like xenon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why xenon? Like, why was that the gas that was chosen? Like, not oxygen, not hydrogen, not actual air that we breathe, but
3: xenon. Because xenon is inert. It needs to be something that's not uh, in in the air that we breathe. I think is what was. Oh, uh,
1: okay. So the the so.
3: air that we breathe would set off the Duh. the thing. Derp. So you gotta put an inert <laughs> gas like xenon <laughs> under the force field, and then uh, she'll be fine. Now I just did that so that you could explain it to me, and <laughs> just like <the> script <laughs> I, did. It's vaguely the voice I would use to my dad when he was being smart. <laughs> uh, uh.
0: In ten forward, Ishara is telling the story of her and young Tasha, how they were orphaned and the people who took care of them disappeared. She joined the coalition, but Tasha hated the cadres and left as soon as she could. And now Ishara is rethinking whether or not Tasha was right to leave. What if she was fighting for something rather fighting for something rather than just fighting? What do we think of this nice little uh I bought it. I definitely bought it hook, line, and sinker, where I was like, oh, she's definitely struggling with, you know, realizing that life could be different.
3: Yeah, I, this is one of the things that I love, is a good liar. Give me a good liar. Uh, it drives me crazy when when there's going to be a twist, and they tell us there's going to be a twist by having the actor act like nobody can tell when someone's being weird-ass. <laughs> Uh, so she did such a fantastic job in this scene, I think. Yeah. And I think this later on, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think this is the
1: moment where she's actually is telling the truth. I think she is thinking about, uh, the choices that her, her sister made and whether she should make the same choices. I think, I don't think she's lying here.
3: I think like all good liars, they tell the truth as often as possible, mm. uh, because it is very easy to remember the truth. Uh, and uh, i think absolutely she's telling the truth to get exactly um what she wants so it's the truth but it's not the truth
2: mm. well and is this where she talks about wanting to join starfleet maybe
0: uh yes she talks a little that would have about... been
2: great if wesley walked by right at that moment and was like well good luck with that it's one of us is going to make it's it. not as easy as you think, sister.
1: <laughs> I better take uh-huh. a test like three times.
0: In the ready room, Data says that Ishara wants the implant gone, and she wants to leave the colony and go to Starfleet. Troy is worried. See, Jimmy? Troy is worried, and she senses that Ishara <laughs> is split in her loyalties. She asks Data why he is so sure, and he says, I have become accustomed to her. And suddenly it turns into a big song and dance. I've grown accustomed to her face. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and her voice.
0: <laughs> and her glaven. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: so what do we think of this moment where, because this is where we find out that she wants to go to Starfleet, that, that Troy thinks she might be have split loyalties. Where are we on the Ashara front during this scene? I think when
1: actually Troy says that, I'm like, mm, yeah, right. Like this, like removing the thing that was preventing the incursion into Alliance territory seems like the end game here. And I with you know that coupled with Troy's thing, I'm like, yeah, actually, this now I'm feeling like you're pulling on my heartstrings yeah. there.
0: Star Trek. I think it's so interesting that the when she talks about the implant and that it will explode it didn't feel leading it was it felt like a complete sentence right like well i can't can't go in there because this is a thing and it will hurt me end of sentence and data is the one who says but wait what if there wasn't which is a really interesting way of telling that story and also a really interesting uh, tactic on her point on her part if she was trying to lead them there but not trying to look like she was leading them there
1: Right, that's a good con, right? If you can get them to think that they came up with the yeah. idea the whole time, then that's there's nothing to disbelieve.
3: Yeah, love
0: it. Data tells Ashara that the procedure can go through. She says she needs to say goodbye to the people down on the planet. He says go to the conference room. She kisses him on the cheek. We wonder is this smash point two? Does <clears throat> does Data have just some sort of Magical powers when it comes to the Yar sisters. Uh, but she goes into the conference room and tells <laughs> Hane. She goes into the conference room and tells Hane it's working. And suddenly we're like, "Boo!"
3: His boo! So
0: I like that I said boo, but also no at the same time. So it came out, Bo! Burnham.
3: <laughs> oh, I thought you were doing a. Uh, Princess Bride oh. reference.
0: So bow to him, the Queen of Filth. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kiss, honestly,
1: was too much. I think she was uh, laying it on pretty thick. We all, we, I, I imagine that, like, okay, these are tactics that she's used before uh, in trying to get her way. Uh, you know, and I, I think it's a, you know, for me as the audience member, I was like, I don't think this is going to work on an Android, like all this stuff that you've tried to. To. Uh, uh, w- um, use in the conversation and in, in how she uh, expresses it to him is probably a better choice than the intimacy of this kiss on the cheek. I don't know. What, what did you think?
0: I, I agree with you as an audience member that I was like, ah, I don't trust it. I don't trust um, it. But it's also for a con person sometimes interesting to see how far they can go. How far can I push it? And this seems like maybe one of those moments of well, maybe if I try just a little bit more this will be the path. Oh, she gives Data the gym, the proximity detector uh, to remember her by and he's like, what? What do you mean to remember you by? And she's like, oh, just in case something goes wrong. Just in case. Uh, Worf says that they would be lucky if she were to join Starfleet. So the whole ship is basically on board with her at this point. Uh, The ship fires its phasers into the ground directly so that they can beam down. What do we think of this nice little bit of science that they have to (laughs) make a giant hole in order to get them to beam down?
1: The phasers can be a mining laser. Yes. Who knew?
0: At, maybe add that to the list of what things can mm,
2: happen. A new list.
0: What the <laughs> phasers can do. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yes. If the big phaser can do it, then the little phaser can do it. <laughs> That's my motto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the away
0: team beams underground, and Shara leads the way. Worf is concerned that they are being reckless and she says they have nothing to worry about. She gets them to a door and Riker makes a guy fly backwards when he hits him with the stun. That was a cool stun move. Have we seen that before where somebody has been projectiled backwards whilst Did stunned? Did James
2: Hunt miss a phaser setting? Is that what we're saying? We, uh, maybe. Fly back setting? <laughs> that w- well, he was on maximum stun.
1: Is that the Jamiroquai setting, when they're like... <laughs> <laughs> That's even better, a
2: Jamiroquai huh? setting. That
3: is a Gen X reference, <laughs> well played.
2: Oh, I love it.
0: <sighs> While the crewmen are being saved off runs Ashara. she shoots some guy who sets off an alarm. She's shooting her way into the room where the fusion generator is and begins to overload it. And here comes Data.
1: What are you doing, (laughs) Ashara?
0: What about the crewmen? She says, I don't give a shit about your crewmen. (laughs) We have 3,000 forces waiting and the alliance will fall. He says he will stop her. I don't want to kill you, but I will. Or she says, I don't want to kill you, but I will. Important distinction there. Yeah. Uh, She fights with him. He fights with her. Uh, But she begs him to leave before... The thing explodes. In comes Riker, surprises her. She shoots at him. Data shoots her. Oh my gosh. So much intensity. The phaser was set to kill, we find out. Oh! Oh, She was going to kill Data. She was going to kill Data, you guys. Eric. Uh,
3: Maximum stun. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you could see the stun through her back. Did you guys notice that when she got hit in the front there was a big red circle in her back as well and I'm like what the shit does that do to your insides <laughs> on on good old maximum stun I don't want it to ever happen to me okay can we make that deal Yes yeah. Yes Thank you
1: It's like getting tased like 3 times
3: <laughs> No I don't want it
0: Don't, don't faze me, do me
3: bro Oh man, me, bro. <laughs> Sorry. that was the most amazing quote. <laughs>
0: uh, on the ship, she comes and does the perp walk back onto the bridge. I don't know why they perp walk her onto the bridge, but they do. <laughs> Haim calls and says he wants her back. Riker says you are in no position to ask for this, and then Picard is like, "Yeah, beam her down." <laughs>
2: <laughs> no consequences what? on the Enterprise.
0: What is up with that? Legit.
1: Was this also the scene where Riker tries to like take over the negotiations and Picard's like, hey, 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 this is my job. Like, what do you stop stop mouthing off, Riker?
3: Yeah, he started to go off on
1: yeah. hands. Yeah.
0: This is the you second.
2: Ricard. Ricard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> they had a little tear. This is the second episode where Picard has just let somebody off scot-free who came on board and did, tried to do damage to a crew member. Uh, and he's like, Meh, bygones be bygones. Well,
3: he also let the guys free who were trying to eat each other in the first season. So, like, that all makes sense <laughs> to me. It tracks.
1: Yeah, what, what is his reasoning here for this? What, where do you, why does Picard do it? I couldn't really tell. It, the context
2: he thought that it was a worse punishment for her to go back to that planet than to face the consequences in the federation it's gonna be terrible yeah. down there with your proximities and all that stuff
0: do we think uh, it has something to do with her being a yar
3: hmm i think so my she was yar
2: <laughs> <laughs> she was
3: very Yarish.
1: Um, I think there's also like a a weird, uh, uh, I I don't want to say American vision here, but like the idea that like we've influenced her. She's changed by her time here on Starfleet. So if we send her back, our influence will magically make this colony a more egalitarian place.
3: Fart noise. Right? Did you get,
1: did you get that sense of it though? Like, I, I, I it's not really yeah. there, but it does feel like a little bit like she, he's trying to be like, this is, this is the magnanimous thing to do, in his British accent.
0: <laughs> well, she walks and talks with data, and sort of apologizes for hurting him, and he says, "I can't be hurt in that way." Ooh. She says, "Talking to him was the closest to friendship she's ever had." If that means anything to you, and he says energize
3: oh that's the baddest ass timing thing it's right takes that little breath and tiny pause oh so good it does not mean anything it, this was also shades
1: of the uh of um when he was kept as a collection as a, you know on uh um i'm forgetting the name of that episode but right where he's a little bit like yeah i can't actually have revenge thoughts of revenge sorry yeah the Saul Yeah.
0: Well, Data goes to see Riker and says he is dwelling on Isshara, even though she has been gone for days. Riker says, in all trust, there is the possibility of betrayal. Data says, then it's better not to trust. And uh, End of of scene. No, just kidding. Uh, Riker says, (laughs) that's where friendship comes in. Data says, perhaps it's better that he can't feel those feelings and then goes out in the hall and looks at the gym and it's beautiful. Because it's, we lay on all sorts of meaning on that look of processing, right? Like what he's really doing is looking at that gym and sort of all of his cylinders are are firing as he's processing what that means to him. But we add so much layers of meaning to what that look means.
3: And I think it's great that when he says, you know, perhaps it's better that I don't feel these feelings, Wrecker's response isn't like, no, I mean, but it's like, perhaps it is. And I think that's a terrific, honest response from a human. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like how, I mean, it's pretty ham-handed how this, the themes in that uh, cold open during the poker game are kind of circled back to here with this scene. But I like that it is about their, their friendship to in a certain extent, Data and Riker's, and like, you know, the game of poker is whether or not you can trust your friend in a low-stakes situation like poker, right? Like, and I, and I, I liked that that is called back, and it's not necessarily the, like, oh, moral, here it is. It's just like, yeah, no, this is, this is part of the human condition, and that, that's what this episode was exploring.
3: Well, just the fact that Data saw the trick in the card trick, but he couldn't see the trick in Ishara, Um, because it's a different kind of experience. You know, it's not something you can see. Yeah, because it's a good liar. Yeah, (laughs) it was great.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. What do we think of this episode as a whole, Jimmy? I will give it
2: five almost smashing a sister <laughs> um, because it's meh it's, uh, I, I didn't have a lot to say during the episode because I didn't have a lot of responses to the episode itself it was uh, weird costumes that don't stand the test of time uh, a, a sister we never knew about that doesn't doesn't really impact the world of Star Trek in any significant way moving forward um, like it's just you know, the the best thing for me is getting a little bit of nugget about Tasha in there. And other than that, it's I mean, some wonderful performances from Brent Spiner, of course. Uh, but I really wish Riker would have busted out into some Bob Fosse dance moves on that <laughs> transporter and I could have bumped this up a couple.
0: Greg?
1: I am gonna go with six and a half uh brawless outfits. Uh <laughs> You can really tell when she's getting her uh, uh, thing removed because uh, she doesn't have a jacket on, but she's got her old uh, uh, thing on. Go back and watch it. I'm sure many <laughs> a, a teenage kid did. What
3: is going on? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with Jimmy in that I didn't, I didn't uh, fully love this episode, but it's got enough interesting thoughts about uh, how we deal with. Um, liars and 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 situations that are beyond uh, what we it feels like David is having like his first kind of friend test here like you know when you're an adolescent and you're trying to figure out who your friend group is and he's like ah you know she's got all the right you know uh, um, reasons for us to have this strong connection I liked his her sister blah blah blah. She, she's helping us with this mission but she also uh, you know betrays him and uh, it feels like this is A a learning uh thing for data which i kind of i kind of enjoyed that as well as uh the action i did i did kind of get kind of swept up in the 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 bang zoom and the and the um the falling (laughs) down of of stuff Uh, it kind of did feel like a good change of pace in that regard um i also think that now data in his collection of artifacts he might we might go in and check out in his quarters he's got a little orange gem now alongside of uh, many of the things that you know, the mementos that might, you know, be a, uh, a way to walk through previous episodes. And I also think in a certain extent, the writers used this episode as a way to remind viewers who may not have seen season one or uh, who Tasha was and why she was important to this crew. Because we know there's an episode coming up in which uh, there will be more information given around uh, Tasha Yar and uh, will be used uh, as as a Romulan going forward so and it, it did help in that regard in in, in, uh, in moving the Star Trek canon forward and I was always curious about what was going on on this colony she's mentioned it a couple of times when she was in this one and and um, it's not a type of uh, uh, settlement that we hear a lot about a failed colony under the Federation so I did like that we got a little bit more information about that Although I thought the coalition and the alliance were ridiculous. And the fact that there was this invention of a thing, a proximity alert thing. Why would you when you're indoctrinating new people into your cadre, into your faction? Why would you put this in there? Why not instead of having this elaborate plan to get it removed? How about you just don't put it in? When they're, Whoa. When, Whoa! You know, a, a lot of other generations down the line, right? Like, if, apparently, this has been a, here a while. I don't understand why this was the elaborate plan that was going to foil the, the the balance of power here. It seems a little far fetched. But all those things being said, uh, six and a half for me,
0: Eric.
3: I guess I'll give it seven condescending British attitudes towards sectarian violence in one of the colonies that has uh, broken from the uh, empire. Um, <laughs> It's A very long rating. I really in, enjoy stories about uh, you know nominally single populations breaking off into violent sects. I you know maybe it's the Catholic in in my upbringing mixed with the Irish in my upbringing, but I, I do find them fascinating, <clears throat> kind of however they're approached. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Ishara's performance, as as it has been said, uh, fantastic liar. I'm for it. Um and uh, you know, as a whole I, I think it's about an average uh, episode and to me average equals seven. <laughs> huh.
1: It's like the game the game review average of like seven is a is a good is a good
0: one. <laughs> uh, it's a C.
3: Seventy is <laughs> a C. There
0: you go. There you go. I'm gonna give this uh, six and a half elaborate card tricks and that's mm. because i like the performances a lot in this episode uh, i think the actress who plays ashara is great and i really appreciate that this is yet another data heavy episode it doesn't it's sneakily a data heavy episode because so much of it is not about data but at the end we've learned more about him and he's learned more about himself which is where i see the value of this episode. Uh, it reminds us of Tasha, which I think that's a great point, Greg, that you know maybe they're picking up new audience members. So this is a great way to remind people of that past. But also, it's just a great way to further the exploration of Data's personhood, of, their, mm-hmm. of his humanness. Uh, I just think that last moment is really stellar. And for me, that's what the whole episode then became about, was this path of Data learning to trust a new human and ultimately being hurt through that process. Although he would tell you he can't be hurt by that process. It's apparent that he is, uh, and that he will take that with him into the future. So I think it raises interesting points for what we know about data now and what we will learn about data in the future. So I think it's worthwhile in that. And I had a very large coffee before we got together here. So I am embarrassed to tell you how wet my pants are.
3: Well, well Greg can tell you what kind of undergarment that will fix all that. It depends. <laughs>
1: oh! <sighs> we should do that for all of our recordings I love you guys <laughs> thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of re-engage next week we continue our mission with the next episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Twitter at Re-Engage TNG to get updates when episodes are published and some other stuff. You can also follow our various Cultural Bridge crew on social media. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratten is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Lee Engage is edited by Greg Tito and Jimmy G and sometimes Kate Yeager. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo97 on Twitter. The music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now for the Traveler
3: to reengage.